Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 8 says the end of a matter is better than its beginning. You know, what a verse. I hope we can apply that to a number of current issues going on around us in the world today. We're going to continue the conversation we began last week with Jeff Watson this week on the Where the Wild Things Aren't podcast. I hope you'll enjoy it. It's not an easy conversation we're having, but definitely one that we know well, at least we hope we'll be worth it. And welcome back to the Wild Things Podcast this week. And I'm Philip Green again with you. And I am again joined uh, by Jeff Watson. And Jeff, I am thankful, brother, that you have um, joined me again to continue this conversation. I knew, uh, you know, unfortunately, we ran out of time to be able to tell everything last week. But, but welcome back. Thank you for having me back. Hey man, you're 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 like my brother. So I, I kind of we we have to have this. You know, you're welcome anytime. You're a friend of the podcast. How's that? If you, if you feel that, the need to be on, you just holler at me. We'll make it work. All right. <laughs> we'll talk about anything. Um, we're proving that, right? But yeah. Uh, as we start this out, though, I do want to go to the book of First Peter before we start and and just read a couple of verses that. Um, I've really been studying over the last week or two and uh, first Peter one, you know, Peter opens up and he, he's telling a story and he's, he says, therefore with your minds ready in verse 13, ready for action, be sober minded, set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. And then um, continues on in verse 15, but as the one who called you holy, or who called you is holy, you are to be holy in all your conduct. And then if you um, keep going, it quotes um, the scripture that says, be ye holy for I am holy. And you can go over into chapter two, uh, where it says you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people and you had not re received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And then chapter three, and this is really what I've been focusing on this week. It starting in verse eight says, finally, all of you be like-minded and sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble not paying back evil for evil or insult for insult, but on the contrary, giving a blessing since you were called for this so that you may inherit a blessing for the one who wants to love life and to see good days. Let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit and let him turn away from evil and do what is good. Let him seek peace and pursue it because the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer but the face of the Lord is against those who do what is evil. And, and the reason I want to open with that, um, those few verses really speak volumes, I think, to us today. Uh, the, the reference there actually goes back to Psalm 34. Uh, and if we were to go to Psalm 34, which, you know, I don't want to take up all our time there, but, the one who wants to love life and to see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil, his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do what is good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Like the words here are speaking volumes 
to us in this time. You see, and you know, the, that opening verse, be sympathetic, be like-minded, sympathetic, love one another and be compassionate and humble. And, and then a little later in verse nine, since you were called for this. So when we take God's word and we look and we try to really embrace what's happening here, um, first and foremost, when I read the verse out of chapter two, verse nine, where it says you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. I'm talking about the church. We're not talking about um, one race being dominant over another. Uh, this is, you know, in full what we need to understand. But that the the section that I just finished reading out of chapter three sits right before a section um, that says, who then will harm you if you are devoted to what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear or be intimidated. But in your hearts regard Christ, the Lord is holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason, for the hope that is in you. And that's what we hope to bring through this conversation. There's a hope that is in us because of Christ, because we know how Christ lived. We have that example in the word. And, and by applying that to us, we can see this move in our lives. Am, am I off base there? Do you think? No, I think you're. <laughs> I'm not trying to preach to you, brother. <clears throat> hey, <laughs> listen, I can always use some of Hey, we can do that off the air, right? That's right. Um, but, you know, there, there's that always being ready to give a defense to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you. But verse 16, I think, speaks to the conversation the way we need to have it. And it says, yet do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that when you are accused, those who disparage you, your good conduct in Christ will be put to shame. I think that's very heavily what we need to hear right now. Mm -hmm. The gentleness, respect, and a clear conscience. Because how many people say things in the midst of a battle, in the heat of a battle, and then they lose focus because they've started to focus on why they said it, what they said, and how they said it, and realize they shouldn't have said it in the first place. I mean, I'm guilty of it. I think we all are, right? In this where the do not sin in your anger thing comes in. Yeah. But, I mean, with, with all of that being said, I, you know, I just want to lead into the conversation that way, saying how do we affect change with that attitude Um In all of this, I mean, in, in the conversations we're having, in the fact that we're discussing racism, we're discussing systemic racism, we're discussing um, all of these things, you know, how do we see that move through the church today? Looking back at last week's conversation, into this week's conversation, and I know um, you had another story you wanted to tell too, but... Um, how how do we affect this change? Um, is this something that one person can do, or is this going to take the whole church coming together? 
is definitely going to take the whole church coming together because this isn't a this isn't a one person battle. It's going to take all of us, especially as Christians, because you know we're we're supposed to be like minded, and we're supposed to follow the the same scripture, the same word, mm-hmm. and and what God commands of us. So it's not about one of us. It's not about one group of us. It's about all of us. And until until we're all willing to accept that and not see it as a a separation issue, not see it as, well, you know, this is how this group feels. Because the one thing that I I really want to make sure that people understand is racism isn't just a black problem. Mm -hmm. It's a human race problem. And once we're able to see it that way, what should then happen is you as my brother in Christ, when things are going on like systemic racism and things like that, you should be hurt because I'm hurting. Like you should, you should be able to feel like, wow, you know, I hate that my brother is going through this. Right. Like, I I hate that, you know, that my brothers and sisters in Christ are having to deal with this issue. What can we do as brothers and sisters in Christ to address this issue, to make sure that people understand that we're all God's children? Well, you you bring up a good point. Can I ask, uh, and, and if this is a, question that's off base i mean you know please correct me Uh, but you know the reality simply is this are you looking for the i'm sorry's that somehow seem to be the trend right now or are you just looking for action i'll say this i'm tired of personally (laughs) i guess personally might be the best way to start that yeah maybe what the community is looking for too yeah uh personally i'm tired of words I just want to see action. Um, If you have never done anything to personally offend me, I don't need an apology from you. Right. Um, Apologizing for slavery that took place 400 years ago doesn't correct the situation that's going on today, quite frankly. Um, What I want to see is action. Right. Uh, What I want to see are... Christians coming together, having conversations, uh, and, and approaching it with love and grace and understanding and listening. And, and that takes everyone listening to everyone. Well, you, you bring that up. And, and so let's go that route for a second. Mm-hmm. The story that you've got to tell is a story with action in it. Um, yes. And, and so let's let you tell that story first and then we'll continue from there. Uh, you know, but, but just tell that story that you, um, that you wanted to tell. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I was in college, um, and I'm not going to, 
if people want to know what college I went to, it's it's pretty easy to find. So um, I, I don't want to give anything away. If they need to know, that. call me. I'll tell you. Yeah, you'll tell. Yeah, uh, it, you know, I don't I don't want to bring anything to the to the town um, that this happened in because it wasn't the town that I went to college in, but a neighboring town. So um, some friends, some friends of mine and I, we were at a party. Um, and uh, we were leaving the party and it, it was late, um, you know, and it was there were there were four of us in my vehicle. And, um, you know, we were driving back to uh, I was actually living off campus at the time. So I was driving back to the dorm to take two of my friends and then the other one. We lived in the same apartment complex but anyway. Um, so we're driving back and I get pulled over. And, you know, I, <laughs> there are a million things that run through your mind when you get pulled over, You're like, oh, you know, I don't want a ticket or anything like that. But I think I explained, you know, the deeper fear that, that I had. So, um, you know, I had everything laid out for the police officer when he came up and um, he asked for license registration to proof of uh, insurance and uh, had all of that right there for him, had my steering, hand on the steering wheel. And, you know, he kind of looked at me odd because of that. And um, my friend that was sitting next to me says, you know, hey, you know, just wondering why we were pulled over. And and he asked me, like, you know, do, do you know why I pulled you over? And I said, well, you know, was my music too loud? You know, that kind of thing, because, you know, I was young and thought that having a, a you know, a system in the car that pumped out a lot of I mean, loud music was cool. Let's be so, real. We all thought that in the nineties. Yeah, that's right. So I, I thought it was cool. So, um, so yeah, so, you know, I, that's where I was going. And he says, uh, Oh, so we have some smart and, uh, he called us the N word. And, um, he says, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to teach you guys a lesson today. So, the police officer, um, and he's got a partner with him. They proceed to call backup. And, you know, like <laughs> thinking back on it, how we were dressed and all of that stuff. I mean, we were like the least threatening people on the planet that night. Right. And, you know, so he pulls us out of the out of the car and calls for backup. And anytime a situation like that happens, you know, he calls for backup and like three cars show up. So, you know, now there's a ton of police officers out there and we all get handcuffed and we all get um, laid on the pavement. And, you know, like all of us at that point, we don't know what's going on. Um, you know, we're crying, we're praying, um, you know, we just don't know what, you know, what's about to happen next. And he's going to get my friend that that originally said, you know, why, you know, why are we getting pulled over? And he's going to get him. And at this point, you know, we don't know what's about to happen. And then all of a sudden this car, we see these lights and this car is pulling up and it's this lady and she stops. And, and this is a white lady that pulls up. And um, she asked the officer, you know, is everything okay here? You know, 
what's going on and they're saying oh you know we've got her under control you know and i think she saw the looks on all of our collective faces and um she saw that we were frightened mm -hmm. and she said well you know i th i think i'm gonna stay until you guys figure out what it is that you're going to do with them. If you're going to take them to jail or you're going to let them go, I'm just going to stay until you guys figure that out. And, you know, one of the other police officers was like, you know, this has nothing to do with you. You know, you need to go. And she was adamant. And she says, well, you know, I know the sheriff. So if I need to call him personally, I will uh, just because I want to make sure that, you know, this goes how it's supposed to go. And, you know, she sat there to her credit and, you know, a few minutes later, they start um, taking the handcuffs off of us. And, uh, you know, we, I didn't even get so much as a warning or anything like that. You know, it was just, um, they just let us go and they got in their cars and they took off and, you know, and we're nothing, all like no ticket, nothing, nothing, no ticket, no anything. Hmm. Um, so, you know, I, we're, we're all thanking the woman, um, for what she did. And she looked at us and she said, you know, she said years ago, if I had seen this, I would have just kept driving. Um, I wouldn't have paid attention. She said, because I probably felt like some of those officers felt. She said, my opinion of black people and specifically black men was that you were all thugs, criminals, and weren't trying to do anything with your lives. And she says, you know, I'm, I'm looking at all of you and, you know, you dress nice. And, you know, I, she said, from what I heard, all of you had, you know, good manners and you were very respectful. Um, and she said, you know, what really changed me was she said, my daughter got married to a black man. And she said, I fought it at first, but when I got to know who he was and what he was about, I realized the error in my ways. I realized that I was wrong. And she said, so I just want to apologize to you for what you've just been through and I hope that this doesn't anger you any further than what you already are because you have every right to be angry, but I don't want that to put you in a situation where you carry that for the, for the rest of your life and you end up doing something out of anger. And, you know, and that, Honestly, man, like if she had not shown up when she did, we don't know what would have happened. Um, well, and it's know, hard I, to say what would happen. Exactly. The reality is, is that you had to go through something similar. And so because of that experience, your life has been drastically different in how you view certain things. Yes. And Absolutely the you know with what we're talking about tonight and me asking that question earlier was leading to this because 
I want to build from where we're at right here. Action. What is it? You know, and how do we act on these things? Because as you said, you're tired of words. And, and obviously this is a conversation between you and I about what racism is. Ultimately, I mean, the conversation we're having is the conversations we've been having. Uh, mm-hmm. We're just letting people hear it. Right. Uh, it's not that we're trying to get you to look at it one way or another uh, with us. We're just simply having the conversation that needs to take place and allowing others to, to listen. And right. hopefully, you know, would encourage you to form opinions. Right. Um, but to also realize it's not about you. Um, and I think it ties in like, even in some ways with this COVID mask stuff that North Carolina just brought in. And I know you're in South Carolina down there in the land of the free today. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the, the COVID masking situation mm-hmm. where people are so adamant that I'm not wearing a mask. You can't take my rights. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do this. And ultimately three, two or three things come to mind. One is when you look at a situation or a conversation or, you know, as a pastor, when I look at a situation, my thought process goes to how does this affect my brother? How does this affect my sister? How, how will my actions affect my witness to others? Um, Because ultimately my life is to be lived out like Christ. And so if, if I'm adamant that I will not give in to this or that, how does that get viewed by others when they've got concerns about their health, their well-being, and all of those situations? So, you know, when people come back with that contrary argument that is so blatantly obvious self-centered, how does that feel? You know, what does that look like from the other side? And I, I mean, go ahead. I, I Okay. If you've got an answer to that, because I'm not sure I'm asking the right question, but no, I, I think you are. I, I think um, you know to use your to use the the COVID um, situation here. Wearing a mask isn't about you; it's about protecting others from the spread of this this virus and. You know, there are people out there that have underlying conditions that are terrified because, you know, for some people, COVID is, I have to quarantine for 14 days. I might feel like crap, but, you know, I'm going to get over it. And for others, it's a death sentence um, because maybe their immune system, immune system is compromised to the point that if they get this virus, it just wreaks havoc on their body and they can't come back from it. So wearing the, wearing the mask is not about you or infringing on your rights. It's about protecting your fellow man. And the same, the same can be said when it comes to, you know, having discussions about racism and discussing controversial symbols and, and things of that nature it's not about you, it's about how, how does this certain symbol, how does this certain thing make my brother or sister in Christ feel? 
Um, yeah, I actually had a conversation with my pastor uh, before we started talking mm -hmm. uh, a little earlier, and and he he asked me point blank. He said, "Well, what do you think about the Confederate flag?" And I said, "To be honest with you, whenever I see the Confederate flag, I feel like wherever it is, I'm not welcome there." And the reason why I feel that way is because it's not, it's not the American flag. So, you know, that, that's one thing, but two, um, I know what it represents to some, and I know what, how that flag has been used in my lifetime. I know how it's been used in my parents' lifetimes where it's like a, it's almost like a, a signal that, Hey, you know, this is this is how I feel with right. this. And I know I know a lot of people say, well, you know, it's about heritage and all of those things. But like I there are certain things that if I knew it was offensive to you as my brother, I wouldn't have those symbols near me and I wouldn't have those things where you could see it. Or I, and I wouldn't have it at all because I know how it makes you feel. And I think that's how others need to look at some of these, these symbols. Um, and I know, you know, before we started recording, we were talking about statues and, and different things of that nature. Um, it's about what the symbol represents. Like, what does it truly represent? Um, and, and my pastor said, well, you know, I understand why you feel that way he said and he, he started going through different statues and we talked about uh calhoun from charleston he said well that was a statue that needed to go a long time ago because that's someone who came out and said you know i support slavery and you know it doing away with slavery is bad for my bottom line essentially and i said yeah you know yeah that's 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 what that's the that's how the conversation needs to be had because all of these statues not all of them are problematic but there are definitely some that are and it's well, about what they represent wasn't the calhoun statue the one that they were looking to replace with billy graham in dc yes so yes you know when we when we talk about those i mean to me, I get the history conversation and, and knowing historians and having this conversation with them, to them, it's, it's not something to eliminate, but to learn from. Mm -hmm. And so it does have a rightful place, mm -hmm. but not a prideful place sometimes, Right, I think is the way that this conversation seems to sound. And, and so as, as we look at that, and, and you hit the nail on the head, I mean, for me as a Christian, and, you know, using that reference or even going back to the COVID reference again and saying, you know, if, if I have a family member who wants me to wear a mask but doesn't want to let me in the house unless I am, then I'm going to put on a mask because it's for their right. safety, not mine. Right. And same thing with that is if, it's, if it offends my brother, what, there is a verse that says, do not cause your brother to stumble. Right. And if it offends my brother, if it causes them pain, if it causes them struggle, then what do I want to speak louder, my politics or my witness? Exactly. And 
you know, and I say that lightly because I do, I do realize that sometimes um, it is a witness to take a stand. I, I realize that. And, and I think you do as well. Um, it's not, however, when it, if it isn't con- like contradicting God's word. And that's why I started with the scripture I did tonight. Right. You know, be gentle, be kind, be caring, love on people. That's the, that's the message of God's word. How is getting fighting mad over anything and pushing for your agenda and only your agenda and not hearing an actual discussion ever good for business? Because when anger enters the mix, no one's listening. Exactly. And, you know, and I think you and I have had that conversation many times. Um, and, and that now, now don't get me wrong. Like with the situation that we're seeing nationwide right now, we should be angry about some of these things because that does, there are certain things that need to change, but it would be the Christian thing for them to change in some ways. Right. You know? And I mean, you know, in this anger that you're speaking of is justified, righteous anger. Because it's about the treatment of people and, you know, the the fact that, you know, a group of people don't feel equal in a lot of cases. And, and that's what it's about. I mean, I honestly, when it comes down to it, as Christians, we should want everyone to feel equal. Because, you know, the one thing that I say in some of the community meetings that, I, that I'm a part of is, you know, when we die and when we go to heaven, mm-hmm. there will not be a segregated heaven. There won't be a white heaven. There won't be a black heaven. There will just be heaven. And we will all be there as brothers and sisters in Christ. And, you know, if, if we can't do that here, if we can't fight for one another here as Christians and listen to each other as brothers and sisters, I just don't feel like that's very pleasing in the eyes of the Lord. So to me, when people, when people that are Christians say, you know, when, when you say something to them or when you have this conversation and it's a, yeah, but then you're, you're missing it. You know, like you're, you're missing this because this isn't a, yeah, but situation. I mean, you can, you can disagree and be against people burning down businesses and, um, you know, defacing properties and doing that stuff. That's, that's fine. Totally understand that. But when it comes to the reason of why black people are feeling the way we feel, that's not a yeah, but situation. You know, that, that's just, it's something that we've had to deal with. And, you know, at this point, it just so happens to be at the forefront again. And, you know, hopefully this time, which I, I'm hopeful this time around because it's it's a lot more. 
there are a lot more people that are joining in with this that are saying, okay, enough is enough. We're all part of the human race and there shouldn't be a group of people that feel inferior. There shouldn't be a group of people targeted in certain situations. And the changes that are sought are not asking for, you know, any special treatment It's just equality. Right. And, and I know that we're, we're running short on time for your sake again. I mean, I'm, I appreciate you taking time out of your schedules to do this um, because it's a conversation needs to happen. And um, the fact that you trust me enough to have the conversation with me means a lot to me. And, uh, and I know that for a fact that I I've seen folks from our past that we've both crossed uh, ways with who have listened and, and commented on that first episode we did. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, you know, I'm grateful for the paths that we've seen. Um, one thing that sticks out to me, uh, you know, the story of Peter and, and you kind of said something that leads me there, but, Peter has this vision in Acts chapter 10 and it, and, and the vision, he, he sees that sheet that comes down. You've heard the story, right? Mm -hmm. And the sheet comes down, it's lowered by the four corners to the earth. And in it were the, all the four footed animals and reptiles of the earth. And a voice said, get up, Peter, kill and eat. He said, no, Lord, I've never eaten anything impure and richly unclean because Peter being, um, a Jew mm-hmm. had certain things he couldn't do. And it said again, a second time, the voice said to him, what God has made clean, do not call him pure. This happened three times. For some reason, Peter needed three times to get the message every time, but this happened three times. And suddenly the object was taken up into heaven, you know, cause Peter denied Christ three times. Mm-hmm. Peter was then reinstated. He was asked if he loved Christ three times. And then this happened three times. So Peter's like the rest of us. He needed convincing. But then what happened after that was Peter then went to the house of Cornelius and Cornelius became the first Gentile to receive the Holy Spirit and opened the door for the Gentiles to be part of the Jew promise, to be part of the promise of God's word. And, and, it, and it stretched across those dividing lines that they had had. And the reason I bring that up is because Paul in Galatians chapter two, verse 11 actually tells the story of a confrontation with Peter that happened after acts 10, but before acts 15, when Peter spoke at the Jerusalem council. Mm -hmm. And he says, when Cephas, who was Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned for he regularly ate with the Gentiles before certain men from came from James. However, when they came, he withdrew and separated himself because he feared those from the circumcision party. The rest of the Jews joined his hypocrisy so that even Barnabas was led astray by the hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were deviating from the truth of the gospel, I told Cephas in front of everyone, if you who are a Jew, Live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How can you compel Gentiles to live like Jews? Mm. 
And then he says, we are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. And yet, because we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we ourselves have believed in Christ Jesus. This was so that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because the because by the works of the law, no human being will be justified. But if we ourselves are also found to be sinners while seeking to be justified by Christ, is Christ then a promoter of sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild those things that I tore down, I show myself to be a lawbreaker. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. And he talks to him about this, and he says, when I saw they were deviating from the truth of the gospel, I told Peter in front of everyone. In other words, the gospel message is love and acceptance. And when I realized that Peter had withdrawn from that acceptance that he was having, I took care of it. And I think that's very apropos to what we're having a conversation about tonight, you know, and, and that is that we have to call it what it is. We have to speak out about it. And when we realize that the gospel um, is not being lived out in someone, it is our place as their brother in Christ to call them out. Right. Sure. And so we're not under law. <laughs> so how does this work <laughs> again? Because we need law. I mean, don't get me wrong, but we need to recognize when the law is not compatible with the gospel. Right. And therein lies the situation of systemic racism. It's not compatible with the gospel. I think I said that correctly. You did. <laughs> but because I'm always a little nervous about that because I, I never want to get the message wrong. Um, but as we look at that and we think about that and we think about that conversation, why then are we having such a hard time loving our brothers and our sisters in Christ? Isn't that the first question I asked you like the last time? Yeah. And, and honestly, you know, when it comes down to it, we've allowed the world and the law of the land to become bigger in some cases in our lives than what the Lord should be. Right. Like they, they, certain things are put on a pedestal and praised and and you know revered in a way that it sometimes replaces what the word of god should be in our lives and that's where as christians you know we've got to come at it from what you know god has commanded us all to do what he he wants us to love one another and 
when we forget that, when we forget that, you know, we're all, we're all in his sight. We're all the same. Right. And when it, when it, when it gets to stuff like this is because the church has, has not stood up to the pressures of the world and the, and the ideals of the world at times. It's, you know, a lot of times I think Christians feel like they have to conform to the worldview because maybe just maybe that's how we can bring more people to Christ. And I think that's the wrong way to look at it. I believe. Well, I think you, you said a mouthful Mm. and the reality of what that conversation is, that's, that's another podcast for another day. Yes. I will say this to what you said though, because I fully agree with you. The problem with us as Christians or as Christ followers is that we think that it's up to us to bring them in. Mm, That's right. Because it's up to us to live as Christ and to exemplify Christ to the world. It is not up to us to draw them in. That's the spirit's work. And if we try to bring them in, we're going to fail. Mm -hmm. We're going to do it uh, miserably and we will never complete the task but if we do it through the spirit and the spirit does the work in us we may or may not get to see us reap the harvest but at least we can plant the seed that's right and that is you know i think that's a a great place for us to 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 end this because that fits um all of the conversations we've been having it's not for us to change it's for the spirit of god to work in man that's when the change of heart comes. That's when the softening of the flesh or the stone becomes flesh. You know, that's where we realize it's up for me to treat one another, to, to love as Christ loved. It's up to me to be that example that the scripture calls me to be. And then hopefully through my example, others see Christ and apply that to their life. And then that spirit of Christ draws them in. And if the whole world could put Christ on, if the, if the world could put on Christ, man, it would change the world. Yes. And, you know, and that means love your brother as yourself, love your, your neighbor as yourself, love your, your enemy as yourself, which is not something people want to hear. Right. Um, but and not only that, but pray for your enemy. Oh, <laughs> I know that's another topic. You for went me. there too, huh? <laughs> I, I went there too. No, but you're right. You, you're absolutely right that we do need to pray for our enemy, and that is the beginning of the steps. So, to quickly answer the questions, what can we do to make a difference? We've. We got to start again, start with love, start Start with, start with love, start with, you know, listening to one another. I mean, everyone wants to be listened to. You got two ears, one mouth. 
That's right. And that's for a reason. Much. <laughs> that, that, I heard that way too often growing up. <laughs> that's Some for a reason. Out there need to hear that tonight. That's true. <laughs> Just that's know true. that. <laughs> that's true. Um, but no, man, I am truly grateful. But that, that is the question we start with is how and, and discuss love, cherish one another, treat everyone like they matter to you. And you won't have to argue any other conversation. Um, I mean, the reality is, is if every person that comes into contact with you feels like they matter to you, then that's all you can do. there's you know you may be in a position where you can change a culture by changing a law you might be in a position where you can do something to help change things but it starts small it can start with you revival can start with each one of us individually and move forward that way it only takes a small spark to start a mighty flame Um, as Smokey the Bear used to always remind us only you can prevent forest fire. You know, and it was always about one match. Be that match. All right. All right. Man, I, I'm truly grateful for your friendship. Um, I love you, brother, and I love appreciate you, you taking the time. Uh, you know, I know you've got a lot of projects that you got going out there, and um, if anybody wants to find you, I think you're pretty much just on Twitter, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm on Twitter. Not on Facebook for right now. <laughs> and we're working on that, right? Um, yeah. But no, man, I, I do hope that you have a, a wonderful, wonderful weekend. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure we'll have you back soon. And, mm-hmm. and maybe we'll talk about a little bit less heavy subject. But, you know, I do appreciate you taking the time to put yourself out there for this conversation for sure. And if, and if you feel that there's a need to have a third, then you just let me know. Okay. And we'll be glad to do that. Yeah, and I, I appreciate you um, having me on and allowing me to share this perspective and share my story. And, um, you know, again, it's not about um, gaining sympathy or anything of that nature. It's about giving a different perspective to someone who may otherwise not have heard that perspective. Right. And that's, and that's ultimately what we're aiming for here is right. to to bring you to the knowledge of who Christ is and how he can work in your life. He's not what many Christians seem to portray him as. If the, the title has been marked a little bit, it's been um, dirtied. And, uh, you know, we, we can reclaim that for Christ. That's right. Yeah, the Bible says they'll know we are Christians by our love. So let's start with us, right? That's right. Hey, brother, I appreciate it. Um, let's close in prayer, and then, uh, and, um, and then we will, uh, you know, hopefully get up with you again soon. So uh, but let's pray. Father, we thank you for, again, allowing us to come and have this conversation. Lord, I, I thank you for Jeff. I thank you for who he is, um, not only as a, a man in the community, what he does in the community, but God as a, as a child of you, uh, that he is willing to take a stand and and speak out on issues that need to be heard, but that we can have a discussion, Lord, and not an argument, that we can have a discussion in a, in a loving fashion and show the world, um, you know, 
let the, let the world change. Let the revival start with us, if that be your will, Lord. We we do ask that you continue to bless um, Jeff and his endeavors, continue to bless the ministries that he is involved in, and continue to bless him, Lord, as he goes about his days in serving you. Uh, God, I pray that you continue to have our paths crossed because, Lord, it's a, a wonderful place to have a friend like him, and I, I thank you for that. Uh, thank you for uh, allowing us this platform and this opportunity to speak. And Lord, I thank you that you are gracious enough just to give us the opportunity uh, to be a part of what you're doing. Lord, as we uh, wrap this up, uh, just continue to pray for this nation that we would see things change, Lord, that your hand would be on it. Whatever your will is, Lord, we know that we will be okay with that. But God, I ask that you would just work in the hearts of man today. We just pray these things in the holy precious, wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for tuning in with the Where the Wild Things Aren't podcast. You can join us each week. We try to get an episode up by 12 noon every Friday. We are very blessed to be able to bring this to you. Hope that you can find peace where the wild things aren't. Listen on wherever you listen to your podcast. Follow it. Click it to download so you can get the newest episodes. And again, we thank you for listening to Where the Wild Things Aren't.